I got cocky and arrogant and start thinking that uh, I can just do it all myself. And what do I need you for? And so, and so then I did that in, in 2018 and 19. And those were both horrible years of performances, probably my, maybe two of my worst years of performances. Actually, 2018 was my worst year. And then 2019, I started working with David again, second half of the year, and I started to give back. Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We are coming at you from a Panera Bread parking lot. Uh, we finished up a great interview with Lionel Sanders. Can't wait to cut to that, but we kind of go in with some, kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole with him today, talking about you know his training, what he's been up to with COVID, and some of his goals. And then uh, Jack kind of corners him there. <laughs> he corners himself. He was he just wanted to know all about this race and. It was just just a fantastic conversation we had about that. He also uh, reveals a little bit of behind-the-scenes drama with the PTO, um, having been a board member for a little while there. So nothing crazy there, but just a little bit insight as to what it's like to be on the PTO board, which is pretty cool. Talk about his injury that he's just gotten over and back into training and, you know, what he's up to. With Lionel, you never really set a topic. He just kind of go with it and uh, see what he wants to talk about because, you know, he's, he's just, just Lionel talking is interesting. And this is what people, you know, I've realized, and this is why he is the man of North American triathlon. Yeah. The, the real goal for this podcast was to kind of keep it just um, like talk show style. Cause when you just let Lionel go, he can just talk and people love listening to him. So we thought it'd be a great opportunity to get him on here. Obviously he's a, uh, we know him pretty well, uh, living in the same city with him and doing tons of training with him. I've gotten to know Lionel over the years, so it's kind of just us sitting back and shooting the shit, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, before we get into that, we should real quick congratulate our buddy Nick Chase, our co-host, who's not here right now, but he won Ironman VR20. Um I guess that's still the most recent Ironman VR that's happened. It yep, was this past weekend, right? That's the last one. Closing nice. her out. Yeah. No, I think there's one more. I heard, I saw somebody talking about Ironman VR 21. Oh, well, from what I heard, that was the last one. It's definitely been the most recent since we recorded this. Uh, one quick note. We have now moved the podcast. This podcast is going to go out late just because of kind of what happened. Um, in life right now i had to make a move to michigan and that's why i'm at panera bread parking lot but we will now be uploading every wednesday uh just wanted to get that throw that out there but yeah back to nick nick crushed it ironman vr i think he had the fastest swim bike not run but he definitely had the fastest swim bike because i think brent mcmahon ran like 15 minutes for the 5k but yeah man uh i am talk was throwing some shade through our to our boy nick saying this was like a third tier Ironman VR race. Oh, I was like, what? Brent McMahon has the fastest. Who said that? The guy is on talk. On I am talk. The podcast. The the. Okay, Kiwi. first off, Brent McMahon has like a ton of wins. Like he has the fastest Ironman debut. Yeah, ever. he's gone sub eight. Not to mention our boy Nick is one of the best cyclists for you know swim bikers for um you know seventy point three in North America. He's led off the bike in races like. Yeah, come on, guys. Just do your homework instead of just not knowing who the guys are and calling it a third-tier race. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of, little bit of a Southern Hemisphere, you know, a bias. North American. Oh, yeah. uh, they weren't Australian. Oh, I don't know who they are. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like I don't know a lot of the Aussies, but just because you know I don't recognize their name, I'm not going to say they're third tier. Yeah, you just got to look at the numbers that they threw down. Like it was legit. That was a legit race. So, congrats to you, Nick. We're super pumped for you. You've done some pretty big things, and I know you are gearing up for another race soon. Bear Lake, good luck with that. That's a PTO race. But let's talk about another PTO race that's happening, probably the biggest race happening in the world right now, and that is the Canadian Pro Tri Champs. We have race director Jackson Laundry with us here. Jack, how is that going? Yeah. Well, it's kind of on the DL that the PTO – 
has, has sponsored this race. That being said, we don't need to go into any details about that, but we're putting on a pro race here in Canada. It's Canadian pro tri champs. We've got ITU athletes, long course athletes heading, you know, going head to head at the Olympic distance non-drafting. So it's really taken off. The race is, is legit. We've got a really strong field. Um, as you, we get into with this podcast, Lionel Sanders, I don't have 100% confirmation that he's racing, but I'm just going to say he's racing because it sounds like he's racing. I challenged him on this podcast and he doesn't back down. So um, we got him, Cody Beals, Taylor Reed, Brett McMahon, Jeremy Brienne, last year's national champion on the women's side. We have last year's national champion as well. Caroline Roy, Dami Jam, Nikki, Rach McBride, Melanie McQuaid. The list goes on of, you know, very legit Canadian pro athletes. So this is super exciting. And, Honestly, I think one of the things I'm most excited for is just getting together with some pros and, you know, racing and kind of being all part of the same thing. We're all supporting the same race. The more, you know, um, success the race has, the better it is for all of us. So we're kind of all on the same team in a way. And uh, it really has kind of united us and it's been a cool experience. But if you want to contribute to that race, any contributions go towards making a really awesome race video. We're hoping to uh, hire the Ironworks um, production team to, to come out and make a, a full race video with commentary from Barry Shepley. It's a, a lot of laps, a 31-lap bike course and an eight-lap run course. So it's just going to be really spectator-friendly and, and something we can, you know, give back to the triathlon community, actually, you know, who helped out with this race. And now you get to, to watch us go head-to-head. So it's going to be cool. If you're in the Caledon area, kind of, close to the GTA. We still have a few tickets left. Um, we can put the, I'm sure Garrick, the tech guy knows how to put link in link in the description to go to that. So yeah, it's going to be pretty sick. That will be in what I call description, but many people have commented for podcasts it is called the show notes. So whatever, go to the towel section and just <laughs> click that link and support your pro athletes and help them put on an amazing production for this so we can hope that it continues because I know I can't make it this year, but I would love to make it next year and many years to come because this is something we have really missed in Canada is a true pro championships. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the whole thing is when we first started, we're like, Oh yeah, we need a race this year. But now we're kind of like, well, there's no reason we can't do this every year. Like there needs to be a race for, you know, Canadian pros and maybe we open it up to Americans and stuff as well in the future. But for now it's a small 10 men, 10 women Canadian race. And um, yeah, it's just something, something that we believe, you know, has value. So, and Garrick said it, the, the better it does, the more the sponsors are going to want to get involved every year and the more it's going to be viable because there's no age group race. So we don't have those age group revenues coming in to actually fund the, you know, cost of the race. So we've got to find it through sponsors, through creating an awesome video that, people want to watch and contribute to. So it's a bit of a different way of going about things, but that's the the way we're doing it. And we're trying a new concept. So see if, it, see if it works. Yeah. I think it's a great place to start. Who knows? Maybe one, one day we'll add on an age group field there, but for now, obviously with COVID, that's not an option. So we'll start from here and you know, absolutely. This is by the pros for the pros. Doesn't get much better than that. You said it, buddy. Um, and Nick's got his, another PTO race down in the States there the following weekend, things are starting to look better for pro triathletes, Nick or Garrick, are you going to jump on a plane and, uh, rip on down to Utah for that race? Uh, if it wasn't such, such short notice and at 6,000 feet, you know, I might consider it <laughs> 6,000 feet, short notice, not really in shape. Eh. Yeah. Too bad it's not in October. Yeah, if something comes up in October, November, or December, I'm going to pounce on it. Definitely in December, I'm looking for something. I'm going to pounce on that for sure. So I think we should roll into this, sure. uh, this interview with our boy Lionel Sanders. All right, welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Today we have a good friend of mine and um, fellow Windsorite. Lionel Sanders. Lionel, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. You're calling yourself a Windsorite? Don't you live in LaSalle? I sh- I'm oh, a Harrowite. You're okay. a LaSalleite, and LaSalle neither of us are Windsorites. We're all, we're, all from, we're all from the South. 
It's I stole the Windsor sign. That's the only thing that uh, that I have laid claims to for Windsor. But I returned it if the police yeah. are asking. That's a joke. <laughs> yeah, that was art. It was art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Lionel, thanks for joining us today. Um, how have you been doing amidst this whole kind of COVID-19 pandemic? I know you've, you've been posting a bit on YouTube or Talbot's oh, been posting, God. but severely are following you around. <laughs> severely addicted to online poker. That's my first uh, vanity. Um, bored as can be. Uh, three quarters insane from missing racing so much and having nothing to focus on really. And not in very good shape. Golf games and horrible, even though I practiced for months and months on end. So I really don't have anything good to say about the last uh, eight months or so. Oh man, you, you and me both. I, I, I think I golfed twice during this pandemic. First me time too. in six years. And yeah, it's been pretty rough. I think I golfed a 42 this morning for nine. Oh, I mean, where were you playing course? 42? Yeah, <laughs> that's not that. <laughs> I would take that. What do you mean? <laughs> Uh, 42. Well, seven, played at seven lakes on the old course. Okay. All right. That's yeah. a good score. That's a good, it's not bad. Uh, but so you, you talked, you kind of talked about have not having goals. I know you set a few goals for yourself. Why don't you kind of fill us in on that? Yeah. All kidding aside. Um, it's been a difficult little, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to complain because it's been probably a lot more difficult for a lot more people, but uh, as you know, when your life is all about racing, you know, our, our existence is about racing. That's how we make money. It's how we make content. Everything revolves around racing. And you take that away from us. Um, I mean, what, what, what in the world do you do? What, we've lost like your, your, what you're supposed to be doing, your job. Really, we've become unemployed. You know what I mean? Like we're all unemployed right now. And like my accountant, for instance, it's like, we might as well just change your, your, your like position to advertising, right? Like I'm just like a, a influencer or whatever. Like it's just my only real job now is to try and like make up content and stuff that people find interesting because literally there is no, there's no, nothing else is paying the bills really. So, um, so that, that's been a difficult hurdle because admittedly that's not really what motivates me. I'm not really motivated about making YouTube videos and stuff. I'm, I'm motivated by, getting in good shape and towing the line against good athletes and pushing the body to the limit and the mind to the limit. And so when you take that away, it's difficult to figure out what in the world I'm supposed to be doing. So to answer your question, I've taken matters into my own hands because race after race, I just canceled my St. George accommodations because I was hoping St. George Ironman was going to happen. And I booked, I went there, I did a training camp surveyed the course, I booked accommodations for it, and uh, obviously that got canceled. So I would say in my mind, no Ironmans happened in 2020, uh, in, in North America anyway. Maybe, maybe just maybe that one in Cozumel will go off. And I still might think about it if it, if it looks like it'll go off. But, um, but anyways, um, no Ironmans are going to go off. So I'm going to try and break my 5K PB, some stupid goal that – uh, I kind of always wanted to really focus on doing, and it's not going to be, it's kind of going to be kind of a half-ass focus. It's going to be like eight weeks of focus, but that'll be more focused than I ever really did on trying to run a good 5k. And so that, and, and then it's kind of a double interesting thing because, um, you know, I've done so many, I don't know, probably an average of close to 1000 hours of training per year, long distance training. For the last seven years, my my best time is from 2013, 14, 52. At I think it was like the Jordan 5K. It was a, it was a measured course. It was a certified course, so it was a fairly legitimate time. But um, I don't know. I've probably logged like 7,000 hours of ultra endurance training since then. And so I think the the general idea is the the more you know long slow training you do the the less fast running you have in your body. So we're going to put that to the test and see if we can go back to uh, 20. I think I was 25 years old then when I ran that and see if we can better that time. So that's one goal, which makes me somewhat interested 
and the other goal is a little more interesting than that, and it is to try and uh, take a stab at the Canadian one-hour velodrome record. And nice. that stands, yeah, that stands at like 48.6 kilometers an hour, some change, by uh, Ed Veal, who's a good friend and a, 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 a Pan Am Games medalist in track cycling. I thought you were about to say a pain in the ass. Oh, that too, but uh, but also an excellent cyclist. <laughs> yeah, we've had Ed Veal on. He's a good guy. Do you know what kind of numbers it's going to take to break that record? Because that, that's a pretty solid record. I uh, did the last time I was in the velodrome because I've been wanting to go after this record for probably since 2015, my first time I ever went on the velodrome. And so I was on there in uh, December 2018, two days after uh, Indian Wells 70 point where I did some testing at the Carson Velodrome, which is actually the only other certified 250 meter velodrome. So it's the only other velodrome you could actually try and break the record on, Olympic Velodrome. And at the end of my testing session, I said, hey, let me just do a quick 10 minuter and see like what kind of numbers I can put out. And so at 360 Watts with no equipment, like, like I literally, I didn't have disc wheels on, you know, full triathlon setup. Uh, I was going about 48 and a half kilometers an hour for 10 minutes off 360. So from what I've, uh, my research and, you know, what I've, what I've talked to people about who've done the, tried to go for records and stuff, um, the track bike, double disc wheel, fixed gear, no hydration, all these things in and of themselves can get you, you know, a couple kilometers an hour. So, so in my mind, if I can have a nice track bike, double disc, you know, decent position and push 400 Watts for an hour. Um, I would think if I didn't break 50 kilometers an hour, I, I think that would be like pretty well, a combination of either my power meter is completely broken or, um, yeah, probably just mainly my power meter is broken. <laughs> One of the seven or all seven? <laughs> uh, you're not even allowed, if you go for it officially, you're not even allowed to have power. Like you're not even allowed that if you, if you keep it on, you got, it's, you can't have it, you can't look at it. So, Whoa. and no one who's ever done a, no one who's ever done a one hour record actually had any data, no feedback. You can just hear the guy like the whiteboard and they'll tell you your lap times and stuff, but you have no idea what your power is. That is so cool. I love that. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it's, it's very, so um, much data these days. And like, I'm trying yeah. to sometimes get back to just like, ah, oh, let's just go train hard and not even look at the pace and stuff. That's so cool. It's, an old, it's a pretty old school, like, you know, I actually quite like it. That's one of the intriguing pieces of that record is it's, it's very standardized. You have to abide by UCI rules. So you can't be using any basically, you know, crazy equipment or anything. Uh, your position, you couldn't even use it. Like you couldn't even use like uh Superman style positions. You couldn't use that. It's all got to be fairly constrained to UCI legal requirements. So it's apples to apples. I mean, however you stack up now, the record, if you don't know, the record is done at altitude. So a lot of people think once someone went to do it at altitude, everyone will have to do it. All the best guys will have to go to altitude to try and break the real record. Um, obviously I'm not going for the real record, but, uh, if you were like a world tour cyclist, you probably would not try this at, at sea level. You'd be going to, to altitude. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Which record do you think you have a better chance at or which goal your 1452 or your, let's call it 50 kilometers an hour is your goal. Uh, I, I think I, I mean, I, I, I would be disappointed if I didn't achieve both. So I, I think I can do four. I mean, I ran 14, 15, 42, um, you know, 14, first, oh, right, yeah. I just ran that a couple of days ago with, uh, not, not a ton of training, not a ton, virtually no speed work. So another, uh, I think in eight weeks, I think it comes back pretty quickly. Um, the question is how much can I break it by? So I always wanted to run 255 per kilometer. That was always like kind of a cool number for me. I always thought that would be fun. So I think in four weeks, I'm going to try and break my 3K PB or go for it anyway, and, uh, and which is seven four, or 8.45. And then, uh, and then that, so if I can achieve that, then I, then I just have a little bit more training to try and run like 14.35. Nice. 
Nice. These are horrible numbers, though. I mean, as we all know, 1235 is just set world record. It's absolutely pedestrian times, triathlete times. So yeah. nothing nothing to put the chest up about, but uh, well, it, would be a life, it would be a life achievement for me, which would be interesting. Another triathlete time, apparently, this is from an un, unconfirmed source, but Mario Mola ran 1341 for 5,000 meters on the track. I'm pretty sure Hayden Wild ran 1321. That's that dude who we were racing against in the Z Pro Tri series. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. There's some I know guys Richard, who can I know, run 5K fast. <laughs> all those guys. I know Richard Murray just ran 1340-something. He broke eight. I think he ran 752 for 3K. Um, he did that I mean, on the road, all those too. IT guys are all running sub well under 14 minutes. Every one of them at the front. Yeah. It's craziness. Yeah, what's his name? Gustav ran, I think, what did he run? 29 flat for 10? Yeah. Not too yeah, long ago. Like so this is the world we live in now. <laughs> yeah. Wait yeah. till they move up and just... Uh... The Ironman athletes. I mean, that's always the... always it. That's what everyone always says is just wait till they move up. They're going to run 230 in Kona. And my answer to that is absolutely not. I just do not think... I think there's no... Um, the limiting factor in Ironmans is a lot heavily energy systems. And so you can, you can hone the carbohydrate system, of course, and do get faster. But Jan Fredino was an Olympic gold medalist and a phenomenal athlete. And Alistair Brownlee's Olympic gold medalist and a phenomenal athlete. And of course, Jan is pushing the limits of Ironman, but I don't think these guys are going to come and like uh, take it, a, you know, five notches up from Jan Verdino. I think, unfortunately, the, the, the body is playing a limitation when you get into Hawaii Ironman, for instance. Yeah. Cooling, you know, the amount of energy required to ride 410, you know what I mean? 300 watts is 300 watts. Like, it requires X amount of energy. And even if you're FTP or whatever, however you want to think about it, it's 420, you're still burning a very high portion of carbohydrate which takes a high portion of your muscle glycogen and then to cool yourself plus run 242 off of that 410 bite. Um, unfortunately for hum for us as human beings, I think uh, that's going to be the limiting factor. Not like all oh, these guys have so much more speed. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But for the 70.3, for 70.3s, I could see those, them just Different story. Different yeah. story. You have enough muscle glycogen to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Different story. You could run. Absolutely. You can, you can run a one Oh six. If you're a guy who can run, you know, 28 flat, you can run a one Oh six off of, off of the bike, but you don't get something for nothing. If you push 380 for two hours on the bike, it's predominantly glycogen and it's going to have, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. no, unfortunately it's got to come from somewhere. If you do one of them exceptionally well, it's going to have an impact on the other ones. It's not, it's just not, physically possible to not be that way yeah yeah for sure so garrick you think lionel is uncoachable this is what i heard before you started recording can you explain that defend that yeah so i wouldn't say it's me i think it's coming from all of his uh his coaches in the comment section on both his instagram and his youtube everybody seems Each to claim one of us is reading the comments yeah yeah <laughs> i actually spend a great deal of time reading the comments because i think they're very interesting <laughs> uh, especially on Lionel's videos, because everybody seems to know what Lionel needs and then says he is uncoachable. But I don't think that's true. Uh, I know we were talking. Nobody here thinks that's true because we know Lionel. And Lionel, what are you – are you drinking a coffee right now? It is 8.30 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Lionel Sorry. is drinking I'm a coffee. <laughs> I'm on. It's the middle of the day for me, guy. I told you I'm still on – I'm just going to stay on West Coast time until I get back to the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, Lionel loves his sleep. Uh, he goes, you're what, 2.30 to 2.30 a.m. to noon sleeper? Oh, at least. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's an average day for sure. Yeah. But that's a sidetrack. But yeah, about this yeah. uncoachable thing, what, what's your current <laughs> uh, coaching like? Because I know you released a video about a year ago saying you are currently getting coached by David Tilbury Davis. Uh, or maybe advised by him. Can you kind of touch upon your relationship with him and, and your coaching? Oh, yeah. I love David. David and I worked together in my best times when I had all my best performances. And then I got cocky and arrogant and start thinking that uh, I can just do it all myself. 
and what do I need you for? And so, and so then I did that in, in 2018 and 19, and those were both horrible years of performances, probably my, maybe two of my worst years of performances. Actually, 2018 was my worst year, and then 2019, I started working with David again, second half of the year, and I started to give back. In Wells, I think I, I biked like 355 watts and ran, well, I used to washroom twice, but I ran like 112 off of it. So I was getting back to things, and then I had a great battle in Daytona against Pablo Depina, which also was, I think I was 370 watts for for the 60K bike, and, uh, and then I think we averaged like 313 per kilometer for 14K off the bike. Um, so I was getting back, getting back to things with David's help. And so long story short, I learned my lesson. Can't do it alone. You need, I believe, um, you, no one knows your body better than you. I will agree with that. And so you generally for day to day training, you probably have a good sense of what you should do. And especially when you've been doing something for a long time, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now. There's nothing, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. There's no secrets anymore. I mean, I know what kind of intervals get me into good shape. I know what kind of workouts I need to do. I know the, the types of training, for instance, you know, for an Ironman, I need to get a couple of five hour rides or even a six hour ride in. These are all things I need to do. Um, and that's all fine and dandy. There's my little baby uh, barking if you can't hear him. Uh, he needs his cucumbers. Um, but, uh, for whatever reason, when we do it alone, we get sidetracked and go down these, I don't know. Um, rabbit just, holes. Yeah, <laughs> rabbit holes. And we, we, it's difficult to see, as I guess the saying, the forest for the trees. And, uh, and I do that exceptionally well. And, you know, 2018, to give an example, um, it all oftentimes is based in insecurity. So I went to Oceanside. I mean, I was flying high. In 17, I just was like, I lost twice. I, I won every race except two. I lost to Alistair Brownlee in St. George by 32 seconds, and I was running him down. And I lost to Patrick Lang by two minutes, two minutes and 27 seconds, getting passed in the final three miles in Kona. And I was like, it was clear as day to me, I was going to win every race in 2018. And then I cut off with David, and then I went to Oceanside for my first race. And Jan Frodeno handed me my ass in the swim, the bike, and the run. He outswam me, outbiked me, and outran me. And instead of, like, analyzing the thing, you know, for instance, I had a bunch of mechanical malfunctions on the bike. One of my brakes was rubbing. My visor fell off. Just stupid little things. They didn't have great power. Instead of, like, looking from bird's eye view and saying, hang on a second. Maybe it just wasn't that, maybe it just wasn't the greatest of races. Maybe you just, you didn't, everything didn't come together for you. You know, had you been able to catch him on the bike, maybe you could have went toe to toe with him, but because you didn't bike very well, you didn't, you know what I mean? I was just already two minutes down going on to the run. So there was no battle. And instead of doing that as a, a good coach would analyze, you know, everything that happened, the ins and outs. Instead, I said, I need to start from complete scratch. I need to analyze, I need to rip everything I'm doing apart. Nothing needs to stay the same. All the training needs to be different. Equipment, I'm changing everything. My bike, my bike frame size, my position in every way, shape, and form. Every piece of equipment, my pedals, I'm changing it all. That is not good. It, like that is not, no coach would ever allow such a thing off of getting beat by less, but by three minutes by the guy who ended up breaking the, the won the 70.3 world championship that, that year with the, probably one of the best run performances in history off the bike guy who's won an Olympic gold medal, won Kona three times. This is, these, this is not what you do when you get beat by a not that large amount by that guy. But I did. And that is the problem with self-coaching is you like go down these holes and you don't have a third person looking in and saying, what in the effing world are you doing? Are you an effing idiot? Like, are you an idiot? That's what David does for me. He says, you are an effing idiot. Stop doing that. We're going to stay on track. And so long story short, you know, I don't think this stuff is that complicated. It's not complicated. I know it's not complicated. It's very basic, actually. That's the problem. We overcomplicate everything. 
Jan Fredino, what is he good at? He's good at doing the basics really, really well. He knows the types of intervals. He knows how much volume he needs. He knows when to do it, at what time to do it. He eats right, sleeps right, takes care of his body, and shows up not overtrained and ready to race. And then he destroys everyone. That's what he does really well. And then the rest of us sit around and overcomplicate everything and say, I need to get all, I need to figure out all these little things and all these little stupid things I'm going to tinker with. At least that's me. And so that's, that, that's, that's, that's what uh, David does. And that's what I think a good coach should do for you is keep you pointed in the right direction and keep you focused on the things that are really important. And that's, you know, consistent training, consistent, you know, good quality training, but not overtraining, eating right, sleeping right, and just staying, you know, passionate about the sport. Those are, those are the basics and that's what you should do really well. Well, you said not overtraining, but like, I think that the guy who, you know, was better than you apparently at the Mount Lemon, Sam Long would say like, just train more and you'll just be better. Isn't that the, what we should all be doing? I mean, it's, uh, he's a unique character for sure. There's no, we're not going to argue with you. He's a very unique soul. And admittedly, I see myself in him for sure. I mean, if you were, uh, I, I was very similar to him. Oh yeah. In 2014. Um, Dark Mark had a funny joke. If you recall those personalities, Dark Mark and, and uh, the real Starkey. And his joke was, uh, what does Lionel have? What does Lionel's training and 80s hairstyles have in common? Too much volume. And so <laughs> that, that was the joke going, going around. And, um, and so I, I've committed some of those problems and you can get away with them as a youngster, and I'm not saying that this is gonna happen, I'm just saying from my experience, uh, you don't want to dig yourself a grave, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I think, I think he's an extreme talent, um, but the training, the training volume and quantity, uh, I think I would rather personally be a great racer and maybe perhaps not known for my training uh, which I've been this guy. I've been the guy who's been known for their training and not necessarily a great racer. So, um, so I think I would prioritize racing quality to training quality. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, well, I mean, that's just it. He does a lot of volume. Yes. I will agree as, with that. as pro triathletes <laughs> in general, like not just Sam, but like, you know, we get basically, idolized for how much training we can do and and if we post about our 35 hour training week on our instagram that gets more likes than oh yeah. you know i took a chill recovery week and let the body heal and now next week i'm feeling better again like so it's kind of the culture of our sport encourages this overtraining as a professional i think it's a combination as well of you don't have anything else to do so um you feel like you're not doing your job when you're not training and so Training is obviously probably the most important piece, but as difficult as it is to wrap your head around, recovering is equally as important. And so you can get away with a lot when you're younger. Like, I mean, I, I'm one of the people who got away with a lot. If I tried to do some of the stuff I was doing then, I mean, I went to Kona in 2014, that race week to go check out the course and everything. And that week I did uh, two treadmill 45K runs. I biked oh, the course three God. times at race pace. Um, I went through 45k on the treadmill in 245. So think about that for a second. I was like 233 or something or 234 through the marathon. Um, and I did those like that workout twice. And so I mean, I've done some crazy ass things. I don't have a Kona title, unfortunately. And so just doing crazy ass things in practice. Yeah, maybe it's good for you you know, create content around and stuff. And I've had to wrestle with this in my own thing, trying to make, you know, content and stuff. You, is it like, do you want to make content or do you want to win the biggest races? And you'll notice Jan doesn't make a lot of content about crazy training, yet he goes and wins the big races. So which one do you want? <laughs> yep. Yeah, 45K in two hours and 45. Now that's... It's my marathon, like PB. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. I've never yeah, run that far. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's just, it's, it's, 
it's uh, unnecessary taxation on the body. And, you know, it's hard to say as you get older and you have problems, you know, what, what caused those problems? Was it stupid stuff you were doing when you were younger? You know, like there's definitely an element of year over year taxation on the body that you've got to kind of watch out for. And I think guys who've done really well, you know, who are old, who are on the older end, 40 plus years old, you look at like Craig Alexander and uh, even Tim O'Donnell. I mean, these guys, I think they take care of themselves quite well and don't do this. You don't hear about them doing these kinds of crazy things. And yeah. they've been able to race well, you know, late into their career. So yeah. it's important if you care about longevity, if you just care about hitting out a couple of big performances, you know, in practice, um, well, have fun. Yeah. I think honestly, anybody who's even, you know, been, been in their first few years of their career, like I'm not an older athlete at all. I'm 27, but I even noticed now, like I used to do, these big six hour days, like a couple times a week and just like, no problem. But now I just don't have it. Maybe it's mental, but it's just like, if I do those things, I just can't recover as well. And I just, it doesn't seem to come as easily in the training, but yet I'm doing better things in racing and better things, you know, in terms of testing. So it's like, it's weird. You can handle more at a younger age, but it's almost like you're not absorbing it as well. I definitely think there's a mental component because I think there's also a component of why, you know what I mean? You start to question in the beginning, you don't really question what you're doing. And then when you get older, you start to like, is that really what I should be doing? And so if you're like, that kind of seems kind of dumb, then I think the motivation to do it wanes as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So doing sure. a six hour ride every week for 12 weeks, I, I mean, I just couldn't, I just, I'd be like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would I be doing that? It's just unnecessary, you know what I mean? For for my for what I'm training for. And so I just yeah. I don't think I could get the get the gumption to to do that. So we gotta ask you some uh some questions about racing. Once you're done these trials, you said you don't think there'll be an Ironman. Do you think what do you think's gonna be your first triathlon this year? Well, if you come to my five K, then I guess I gotta come to your triathlon. So that's uh, not deal. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you put up uh uh barriers when i crash that at least i slam into um you know some some uh tires some big tires then uh yeah. then, then i'd be There's more no crashing okay so you I'll, know I'll i'm gonna you know i'm gonna be the one to crash oh crash no way have again. you ever crashed have you ever crashed in a race in a race yes i did actually in uh where was it Oh, I, I crashed out. I did duathlon worlds. I've done one draft legal try or whatever multi-sport race. And I crashed in it. Duathlon world champs in yeah. 2011. Well, that's draft legal. I mean, yeah, it was draft bad. legal. I didn't know it. it was none of the other people who made me crash. It was me who made me crash. <laughs> and then, uh, I did, uh, I think it was the MSC race. It was either Bracebridge or, uh, I think it was Bracebridge. And yeah. they, had, they marked all the corners, okay? They always had a big arrow when there was a corner, about 200 from the corner, big, yeah. big arrow. And so I'm like, oh, great. They marked all the corners. I didn't know the course. So I'm flying into whenever, whenever I see the arrow, I'd be like, okay, time to slow down, slow down, slow down, blah, blah, blah. And then I came into this one corner, and there was no arrow before it. And I went full tilt into it and crashed on the other side in someone's front yard. Oh, and there was a person standing in the front yard and everything. And they're are you okay? And I just put Whoa. my chain back on. And, <laughs> yeah, and I got back on. But. Well, you have a deal. And also, mm -hmm. so there's somebody, I heard that there, you know, you must have heard somebody crash on that course. Somebody crashed on those roads. It was not it the same course. Mm. It was, so that was a technical draft legal course with a lot of turns where you're sharing half the road. We've made the course so the entire road is for is the same direction. It's only the loop. So you have about 25 feet of width for the bike lane. And also the steepest, the steepest hill, instead of going down, we're now going up. So there's two corners that are on a slight downhill. We have 25 feet of width to make the turns. One that's on a flat and one that's you're going up a hill at very low speeds. So have uh, you done this course? On of a course. TT bike? I made the course. Yeah. On a TT bike. On the TT bike, yes, at race speeds, not yet, but I'm going to do that with GoPro. Okay. And I'm going to be like put 
like actual explanation. Corners in the TT position. No, not in the TT position. You got to take a real corner. Oh my God! How many corners are there? Eighty uh, corners? No, like. How many pick up any time? You see, I, I, have you seen me swim? Uh, yes. What am I supposed to do? You, you trust me. You will be a lot faster than you think. Oh, this seems like a setup for you, to be honest. For me, I'm yeah, not good at corning. Yeah. Have you seen my track record? I crashed in East and I couldn't train yeah, for six well, months. I mean, that was a, that was like a, that was a death course. Like that was, they wouldn't put that in North America because people probably would have died. You know what I mean? Like they wouldn't do that. Yeah. They wouldn't well, pave that road in North America either. No. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's nothing like that course. If that course is allowed, this is like, I thought you were worried that you might have to slow down because you're not going to be arrow for two of the corners. So the, it's 31 laps. But hear me out. So you do it's a, four corners per lap. That's yes, one hundred twenty-four corners, and you want me not, to pick up time? You, I, I get last place, guy. I don't need to go to this race. Just put me in last. Sign me up. Put no, me in no, last. No, 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 no. Take my five hundred dollar paycheck. You're gonna right? maintain your to speed. Paycheck. You're gonna maintain your speed on the corners because it's it's not breaking. It's just a wide sweeping turn. You don't lose all your speed, and then on the straightaways, the road bike, you're getting destroyed by the headwind, guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed, the time trial bikes will be the fastest on that course. So you think people are going to use a road bike? Well, the, the ITU guys will probably use a road bike and just throw arrow bars on them. I wonder if that's the smart move, though. It could be, and you could you could do that. Who's to say you can't? It's also just a 10K run, straight up. Wow, you're really trying to sell. You're a great salesman. <laughs> you're just the only 10, person who said that they think... 30 flat. That's all it is. 30 come do it yeah we'll see here look okay all all like joking aside the the cool thing about this race and why i think it's a good idea is because you don't see itu guys and and long course guys racing you just it just doesn't happen you also don't see pro races this year period so it's a chance to go head to head with itu long course i think it's a pretty fair a pretty fair format the time trial bikes are still going to be faster it's going to, it's fairly technical. So a road bike isn't like a terrible bike and it's non-drafting, which is in our favor, but it's at the Olympic distance, which is in their favor. So I honestly think it's like a super fair, legit race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I I'll don't think it. I'll sleep on <laughs> it. I don't know. Who is that? Who's the, who's the ITU guys going? Um, so actually we're, on the women's side, we've had some more success being able to actually get the athletes, the ITU athletes, because a lot of the men are in Victoria and they have testing. But we have Jeremy Brienne, who's last year's national champion, and Charles Paquette, who's like Canadian ranked number three um, ITU guy. And then the rest for the men is mostly all long course guys. Uh, on the women's side, we have like five of the top seven ITU ranked women. Oh, keep dropping some names, Jack, for the men's Emily, race and the women's, I guess. Emily Kretz, um, Caroline Roy, Domi Jamnicki. We've got, you know, Brett McMahon's doing it. He's he's always been a good Olympic distance guy on the men's side. You know, me, me, Taylor, and Cody are doing it. It's like it's just as competitive as any race that you're waiting to come around for Ironman to put together. Yes, and Cody's in it. So. three distance, I'd be there, hundred percent. Olympic, you you got to admit, Olympic at seventy point three you're going to see like similar success guys are, you know, Olympic can move over. It's not like Ironman. How long, uh, when is the date? September 13th. Oh my God. I got like six days to train. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> I'm going to get in shape for this one. Yeah. Wow. Come on, Lionel. Toe to toe. I'm going to do the date later. Well, a couple things. Schools are opening September 7th. So oh. we all know what's going to happen with, being able to allow to actually do shit it's going to disappear probably yeah, late September. two weeks you got you got like over two weeks from the date of opening the school it's probably like three or four weeks you got until if shit hits the fan it'll hit the fan then probably but there's also that cozumel race there's uh i probably will i gotta race where you can race right what do you do and then you're gonna quarantine when you get home yeah Oh wow! Uh, quarantine at the cottage. Probably. Oh, wow. I've still got to. Oh, maybe I'll go to Cozumel too. Uh, I can't do this race. I'm going to Cozumel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Good sale. Uh, God. You know what? 
if you don't come, that's another spot that, you know, I don't, another guy I don't have to beat. So like, why would I force you to come? Oh, you asshole. You had to say it. You had to go though. All right. I don't know. I got to talk to the boss. Am I, can I go? Is this... mm, I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay. Okay. You're, you're piquing my interest. Have you swam in a pool? No. Nobody's going to be in shape for this. This is a COVID year. You're not, it's not like everyone's been training like a monster yeah, with like, like 10 I months I feel like notice. all you guys up, up in the northern parts of Canada here are uh, having I haven't swam in a pool. I haven't swam in a pool since like March 10th. Okay. I've been open water only. So right. I'm going to be slow. I've, I've already gotten my ass kicked on time trials by Cody and Taylor in that old school race a couple weeks ago. So. All right. All right. We'll be, awesome. we'll be working together on the bike, Lionel. Me and you from the back. Right. It's trying to make me feel good now. Guy could backstroke and come out ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, you know, Lionel, there's a super secret pool around here that that's open, but you. I you know have about to, it. Yeah. I know about it. Yeah, Corey told me about it. Yeah, you got to get up for. You got to get up at like six a.m. though. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Just stay up. Just stay up. Go to the swim. Go to bed at seven thirty when you get home. We tried. I actually stayed up till that time playing in a poker tournament one night. Oh my god! All nighter. Finished second. Yeah, there's a real uh, reason you don't want to wear your race. You've been staying up all night playing poker, not training. Correct. No, I've been training, but anyways, <laughs> prop topic now. All right. Yeah, that, was, that drifted a bit there, boys. All right, we'll cut that <laughs> out. We'll cut it out in post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, that'll be our sound bite. All right. Yep. So, Garrick, what else do you have for Lionel? He's almost done his coffee, ready to go do his run, 9 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, pretty good. Are you planning on racing Daytona? This kind of just popped in my head before we move on here. Uh, 100% Daytona. That I, In my mind, uh, a win in Daytona would make 2020 uh, the Canadian record on the track and a win in Daytona and the Mount Lemon record and the Z-Pro Tri-Series inaugural champion would be an amazing 2020, and I would take it. So that's my goal. Those are my and goals. the Canadian Pro Triathlon Championship uh, silver silver medal. Silver medalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and making it out of the Canadian Pro Triathlon without any broken bones that would be another one of my goals. You're gonna come and you're gonna be like, I can't believe I was scared of this course. I don't even have to touch my brakes. Seriously. Uh, I, I, if you go pro it and send it to me, and and then uh, it seems like I'm not gonna die because all yeah. I know is you're the one who posted about. A guy crashing on the course. So what do you think it we're going to think? That was yeah. on a half lane going down the hill the other way. Well, you got to specify all these things. To be completely say, oh. fair, to be completely fair, the guy that broke his wrist, Dylan, breaks his wrist every year. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Poor you know, Dylan. going to stop doing these technical courses you guys are putting them on. I, don't, don't pick a bone with me about the course. That was Barry's course. This one, we're, you know, athlete made for all athlete right. safety. All right. All right. I, I mean, I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm going to be okay. up that way, actually. All right. I'm going cool. on a vacation. I'm going on a vacation. This is going right on the social media account. Lionel Sanders is interested. Yeah. In I, 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 uh, I, I'm going on vacation that week up in the Kawarthas. Oh, perfect. That's, that's by you, aren't you? Isn't it? Well, I mean, it's closer than where you are now. It's northern Canada. That's not even north. <laughs> north yeah. enough. Yeah, everything's north from here, right? Anyways, Daytona. I'm so excited for Daytona. It's going to be amazing, amazing race. They're they're putting all the the uh, NASCAR media team on it. It's going to be oh my god, probably, probably one of the biggest races ever, like in triathlon. I would say it's it, and amazing. it's going to be like the only race that happens. So professional race. So. Aside from the Canadian Pro Tri Champs, so yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm excited for it. I mean, I know the course obviously well. Uh, I know what it, what you need to do firsthand. I know what I did wrong last year and where I could have been better. Um, and so it's a unique distance. They've changed it to a 2K swim, to an 80K bike, to an 18K run. So last and year, swim. I think the swim was a little long last year. Yeah. I think it was probably closer to. It was certainly closer to a 70.3 swim than a mile swim, which it was supposed to be. So I don't think the swim will change that much from last year, but there'll be 20 more K of biking and five more K of running. So uh, it's a very unique 
experience. I mean, it's it's very similar to doing the I think the track record because it's like the Daytona Speedway, as you know, is uh, it's just dead flat. You're going to be in TT, no relief, massive power required, and and then you need to be able to run incredibly well off of that. And last year, the big mistake I made was I didn't train do any training in the TT position. And then I asked myself to hold 370 watts for an hour and 15 minutes. And it's the first time ever where like I, the final mile, when I, well, the final half a mile, when I broke away from Pablo Dupina, I honest to God, I, I could feel my hamstring locking up. And it was like, I, I felt, I felt like I needed to like, you know, you like kick your leg out a little bit to like try and get that knot out. And I was like, do not move your leg in any way because that thing, if that thing locks up, I'm going down. And I think, I think a lot of that was because I just was not prepared to time trial for an hour and 15 straight. Big power, zero time out of the TT position was something I'd never been used to. So anyways, that's going to be an amazing race. I'm very excited for that. Hope we get into that sucker. I'm sure seven or eight guys where, will not where, go. Where are you, where are you in the ranking? 48. And what is, how deep does it go, supposedly, for that race? 40. Oh, yeah, you'll be in for sure. There's no way that, that all the top guys are going to, like, what are the New Zealand guys and stuff? I just don't, I don't see a lot of guys, uh, yeah. Australian guys. I mean, as of right now, the, Euro the Europeans aren't even allowed to go to America. Yeah. That'll yeah. change, probably, by then. But, um, I mean, I, I hope we have obviously the top guys, but there's just no way that a couple guys don't don't not go. Yeah, and even in a, even on the best of years, usually you'd have eight out of the top forty that don't go. I also be surprised if they didn't extend the the, the entry require because there's been no races. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's yeah. going to be the only race that happens. I'd be surprised if they don't extend that a little bit. That reminds us, mm -hmm. you are a PTO board member. No, I'm not. I stepped down. You're not. You yes. stepped down. Oh, okay. So tell us about that. Why'd you do that? It was just too, it's just too much for me. I can't handle, I can't, I can't devote myself to multiple things all at once. Unfortunately, yeah. it was just too much for me. I, uh, I just was, is coming from my own career. You know what I mean? It was taking energy. I was stressing out. I was on these calls, you know, arguing. There's a lot of arguing, <laughs> yeah. a lot of arguing amongst the athletes in there. Yeah. Um, particularly from the old athletes who were there and then they brought in new athletes and it was kind of like a divide, you know, the new athletes yeah. were like, who's calling the shots here, you know, and the old athletes are like, Oh, well it's, you know, it's these other, the other guys, the corporate guys who are kind of calling the shots. And we were like, well, that don't make sense to me. And there was a lot of arguing about that. And, uh, and so for me, it was becoming extremely stressful and it yeah. was having a negative impact in my life. And so I just had to say, you know what, I, I'll take part in your, you know, I'll take part in the media and all that stuff, but I can't, I just can't be involved this deeply in this project. Yeah. Lord, yeah that's fair. I mean, I've, I've, I see what you like trying to put this race on is just a huge eye opener. I put 50 hours of my life into it for a race. That's going to be as much money as a normal race, but I know there's an end point to it. That's Oh, the race happens. Okay. Yeah. This is cool. And I, I love the idea of starting it and having something go on every year, but I just can't see myself doing something like this, like for more than a few weeks. Yeah. I, I, I mean, passion project. Yeah. I mean, cool, fun, you know, good for your soul. Uh, the PTL thing was becoming like toxic for me. So I was like, I gotta, I can't do this right now. Yeah. That's fair. I'm, I'm sure that that added a lot of stress into your training and then, just constantly thinking about those arguments and always having that pit in your stomach. Yeah. Well, you're having like email exchanges and they're getting kind of, uh, you know, people are taking digs at each other. It's getting personal Jeez. at times. And uh, there's a lot that was going on. There's a lot that goes on right with that, with that uh, organization. Every, uh, everyone's just getting their race energies out at each other in the board meetings instead of uh, on the race course this year. <laughs> well, even, I mean, even that, even that was, you know, one of the, kerfuffles was like should we be promoting e-racing and stuff in this time where people are dying and stuff you know and that was like an argument it was like what are you talking about i mean like my job is to inspire people to get in shape and be the best athlete they can be that's my freaking job 
Yeah. I'm going to argue. I'm going to promote the shit out of e-racing. What are you talking yeah. about? Everybody should be e-racing and training online right now. What are you talking about? So that, anyway, this is totally off topic now. Is it though? That was, that was our no, topic. no, no. Perfectly on topic. No, very on topic, especially considering since you're a social media influencer right now, currently. Professionally. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about uh, controversial things. Let's take a wild guess how many times I've been drug tested this year. Mm, four. Zero. I'm going to say zero. Zero. Oh, you, you knew that. <laughs> zero. Well, yeah. What do you think yeah, about that? Just... Yeah. Well, well, that's not good. But it's we're not good. It's not we good. Pay for, well, although we pay our Ironman membership, and I believe that they say that goes towards the drug testing, does it not? That's correct. So, yeah, that is correct. So they should have still the same amount this year to do it. How many How many times in a normal year do you get drug tested out of competition? I think I've been averaging about, I posted it all. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say I've been averaging about 10 times a year for the last oh, like six Lord. years. Something Holy. like that. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Zero this year though. Yeah. So if I'm getting tested zero, then I think everybody else is getting tested zero. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that's amazing to me because, like, there's other athletes I know and, like, ranked highly that are, have never been – like, it's almost like, you know, I don't know how they decide this. I've been tested once out of competition myself. My uh, whole career. My whole career once. And it was after my first win, my first 70.3 win in 2018, like, a few weeks later. And then that was it. And most of the people – like, most of the guys I know who are, like, top 50 guys have never been tested out of competition. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say or think. I don't know nothing. Unfortunately, I just go about my business. But I thought that was interesting anyway, that that yeah. has completely gone to nothing. <laughs> There's no testing. So yeah. yeah, I don't know what to say about that. You can do with that what you like. God. Let's hope. Well, we're not racing. So what does it matter, right? Well, <laughs> Probably means a fair bit, I would say, in the long run, if you're able to take some substance in that allows you to train at a higher volume, higher intensity, you're just going to see great, a lot more improvements. But I know that was a sarcastic question. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know, these are topics that uh, you can't, you can't, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, you know. So all I know is what I know about myself and I'm not getting any testing this year, and that makes me just a little bit uh, upset. Disappointed. Yeah, disappointed. disappointed. That's a better word. Just a little disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Oh well, I'm not in charge. Hey, those testers might show up at uh, Pro Tri Champs, even though if you get tested in com if you test positive in competition, I think you're the biggest idiot. Yeah. Out of anybody. <laughs> By the way. We are sanctioned. We got Tri Ontario. We got ambulances right there for you, Lionel. Oh, Just. perfect, perfect. Take me away when I break my collarbone. Perfect. <laughs> um, I, should, I shouldn't even joke about that because you know it's going to happen. But no, uh, I was going to say um, for even for the cycling thing, which is stupid, really. But you have to have drug testing, so I literally have to buy my own drug testing for the cycling record. <laughs> I have to have a drug tester there who I buy their time to come and test it. that's like stupid but i mean that's i guess i guess it's better than nothing i don't know yeah that, that's the rule is you have to have a, a a drug chaperone there and collect the sample especially in the event if you're going for the world record then they'll actually you don't actually have to test it you just have to collect it but if you break the world record then they're going to test it oh i see <laughs> That's how it works. Because my what own world test, record. You know what I mean? you I'm know the, the world one ordering record? the test. What'd you is say? 50, is it fifty-five k or something? The world record? Pretty well, fifty-five flat by Victor Campagnards. I and, thought Bradley Wiggins had it. Oh, no, that's been beaten multiple times. Four and a half. Yeah. Jeez. He had a really high pressure system that day, so apparently a lot of people think that he would have went probably closer to fifty-five on a like a more normal day. But uh, Victor Campagnards was done at in Agua Calientes, uh, the velodrome where they made for the Pan Am Games in I don't know the eighties or something. That's at like I think like eight thousand or ten thousand feet. So he wants to do one. I watch his YouTube videos. It's actually pretty good, pretty good stuff on YouTube. And um, 
he uh, he wants to do another one at sea level to see kind of what the what the differences are between sea level and altitude. He thinks it'll be extremely difficult to hit his altitude time at sea level. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because obviously you can't push as much power, but then the air resistance is less. So that matters more at once you hit a certain speed, I guess. David told me that he thinks uh, people with lower stroke volume or higher stroke volume. So lower heart rates probably would perform quite well at, at altitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, the, the oxygen debt wouldn't, I guess, have as large of an impact on your ability to get, to produce power. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not going to travel to Mexico to find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, Garrick, what do you think? Should we let Lionel go do his run workout? Yeah, I think uh, it's about time Lionel goes as his fourth workout of the day. <laughs> I don't overtrain anymore, my friend. No. Except, actually, I do. I do overtrain. I overtrain the shit out of myself in the early part of the COVID doing e-racing, which I love. But... Uh, uh, you can do too much e-racing. We learned that last time. I think did I did you, that too. Did you have any ramifications from doing so many races? Um, well, I did. See, I did the – so there were three weeks where I did two races a week, and mm-hmm. that, but it was only for three weeks. And I couldn't – that was basically my bike training for the week. I didn't really do anything else hard. And I was okay – but I definitely needed a break after that. If I, I wouldn't have wanted to do that for another week. That's for sure. I did, uh, I did a, approximately one month where I did, I kept doing my bike workouts. I did the Z pro tri race when it started, I was doing the Z, the, uh, the, the E races with the pro guys. And I was doing, trying to break Sam Long, took my record, and I was trying to break it multiple times. I went and tried to break it. Literally one week, I did a bike workout on Monday, Z Pro try on Wednesday, uh, professional e-race on Friday, climbed Mount Lemmon that same day at 400 watts for the first half of Mount Lemmon, and I was off time because the winds were horrible. So that day I did 400 watts for 45 minutes up Mount Lemmon with altitude. And in the morning I did 420 watts for 30 minutes on the E race. <laughs> I took, I, the next day I still rode. And then Sunday I climbed Mount Lemmon again, 360 watts. I, I, I missed, I beat his time, Sam Long's time on the one segment and missed it by like nine seconds on the other segment. And so then I kept climbing, went all the way to the observatory, 360 watts, all the way for an hour and 40 minutes, like half of it over 5,000 feet. And then Tuesday, bike workout. Wednesday, Z Pro try. Another E race. <laughs> and then I did Mount Lemon again and took the record that time. 300, 381 watts for, for an hour and 15 minutes, half of plus feet. And I can keep going. I'll spare you the details. Uh, and I kept doing this for another couple of weeks. And then my knee started to hurt. And then I did this final bike workout, over gear workout. And I stood through it because it hurt so bad I couldn't sit. And then I was effed after then. And I injured my, my patellar tendon. Hmm. Well, that's what you have to do, kids. Yeah. Or this is maybe Sam Long's master plan of how to get Lionel away from his races. Just no, I got taken away. Yeah, I got taken away with that a little. He pissed me off a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> taken away by it. Uh-huh. So yeah. you never should fight with anger. You know, no. all the fighters say that. You don't fight with anger and emotion, then you're not thinking clearly. Yeah, it's true. Lesson That's learned. very true. Very true. You got to be as calm remember as you that, can when you get in the octagon. Remember that when you come to the Canadian Pro Tri Champs, Lionel. Oh, no, you already pissed me off. I'll be there. <laughs> uh, I, sir, I it wasn't the method I was going for, but, you know, what works, works. On the 12th or whatever the date is. Yeah, well, I'm glad before the podcast – Yeah, I'm glad before the podcast we decided not to talk about um, getting Lionel to do Pro Tri Champs. He brought it up. That's, you, can go back and, you can go back and verify that. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's it's cool. I appreciate what you're doing. It's good. It's good for the sport. It's good for pros. It's uh, it's good. So good on you. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. 
So, yeah, I'm going to be up there, so I'll probably be there. I can't. I mean, if fucking, I can't have a race happen. I mean, not there. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I knew. I'd wake up Saturday morning and I'd be like, all right, when's the race start? Noon? I think I can get there. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Let's end it on that note, Garrick. Yep. Lyle, thank you for joining us. I don't think All we're right. going to do another sign out, so you can take us out. I'm going to say peace, and then you say out. Peace. All right. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.